It's Monday, January 11th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news headlines and all the gossipy hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. How's it going, fellas? Oh, it's going. And you nailed that intro. You didn't think you were going to get it, but you got it. (laughs) Well, I'm finally awake. (laughs) 20 seconds ago. Well, yeah. Dripping over his own words. Yeah, we're good, man. It's Monday. Feels like Monday. I'm I'm not even a full cup of coffee in yet, which is weird for eight o'clock. But hey, glad to be awesome. Here. All right, we have a guest on the show with us today. Uh, he is a technology leader and strategist for artificial intelligence and high performance computing at Dell Technologies. Additionally, he focuses on smart cities as part of the Austin Smart City Alliance. He's also there. It is. I messed it up. He's also a whiskey connoisseur and all-around swell guy, Jay Boisseau. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me. Look forward to this. How you doing? Doing all right. Got my walk around the lake this morning, so a little cold, brisk air here in Austin, and woke me up ready to go. And y'all you guys got, got a dusting. Yeah, I had I had some great it? pictures of my my nieces uh, making tiny Texas-sized snowmen. Which oh, th- there unlike is no all snow other left things, here Texas. It fits in your hand. Yeah, there, there's no snow left anymore. In fact, I took a picture of the results of Snowpocalypse this morning. No snow <laughs> at all. No. That, that does sound like Texas. Hey, we got <laughs> snow for the season yesterday between the hours of X and Y. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, None of it this, stuck where I am. What'd you say, Russ? None of it yeah, stuck same. where I am. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got some big I think, old flakes, but not, yeah. not one, one of them stuck to the ground. We got like 17 flakes. Over here in Flower Mound. That's about it. Nothing <laughs> stuck. Okay. Let's get through some morning announcements real quick. And then I don't know if anyone has anything for today in tech history. And then we can move straight to the uh, today's topics. But morning announcements here. Uh, we eclipsed 15,000 plays over the weekend. So that was cool, Ooh. I guess. You know, oh onward and upward. We also updated our logo and color scheme. So if, uh, if that confused you when you first opened your app, uh, sorry. Not sorry. I don't know. We're trying to go with something that's simpler and uh, printable. Um, so that's where, that's where we landed. So. I, I'm sorry, even if the other guys are not. I, I'll apologize <laughs> on behalf of the podcast. Don't, don't well, you speak on my behalf. I will say, you know, whenever you make a decision like that, you got people all over the place that are going to um, have different <laughs> kinds of opinions on whether or not it was the right thing or the wrong thing or good move or, you know, whether it, it even looks good at all. That we logo have doesn't of- have enough toast. Right. doesn't have enough toast. Well, that was the thing. When our logo was... very criticism. Yeah. <laughs> when our logo was toast with an egg on it, there was all kinds of like, you didn't toast the toast enough. The egg has no like, you didn't put pepper on it or you didn't cook the egg That's right. That's how you make breakfast? Okay. Yeah, I you didn't put chalula sauce on it. Thing. Yes. Yeah. There was a whole bunch of like, why is there no chorizo in the picture? It's like, come on, y'all. All right. Uh, last announcement here. TBP monthly movie night. Uh, so I was talking with Kieran, our senior field correspondent in Australia. Did I say that right? Senior Australian field correspondent? There, there it is. That's Kieran the Sheldon. So yeah, he had an idea. Um, we ended up watching war games together. Uh, a bunch of us, I don't know, 15 or so. Uh, he wants to do a monthly movie night with Tech Breakfast Podcast. So look for him. Be on the lookout to, uh, to organize and promote that. And we're excited about it. So, Okay. Today in tech history, I'm pretty sure it's uh it's Monday or it'll be movie morning for him pretty pretty consistently <laughs> whenever we do those. Yeah, no, good call. So we'll do it Friday nights, probably once a once a month Friday nights at nine central, and so that'll put him in in I think midday Saturday, like one o'clock I think in the afternoon on Saturday. So it works well for him. 
Yeah. Did you all right. talk about the movie on the on one of your podcast episodes? I haven't I haven't listened to all of your episodes yet, but I don't remember you talking about that one. We uh, we did. I think we finally got briefly. Aaron's reaction last week on yeah. Wednesday or Friday. No, not Friday. The, it would have been Wednesday. Aaron, I'd love to know what you thought on a rewatch this many years later. I rewatched it recently, and I th- I still think it's a great AI movie. Actually, I would like yeah. to point out there was no rewatch. There was no rewatch. Yeah, this was a that first was my watch. reaction. Aaron had, Aaron had never seen War Games. That's, That's what why I'm we saying. watched it. That's why we watched <laughs> so, it. I'm so glad we got to get, got this one more time. Thank you, Jay. Successful <laughs> in your appearance on the podcast. So and you can see Jay's face, listeners. He's disappointed, <laughs> and and he's he's sharing everyone's disappointment. Well, okay, wait. So defending Aaron a little bit, actually, by picking on all three of you. I listened to one of your podcasts last week, and none of you knew who Richard Stallman was. And That's so I was true. shaking my one, head on that too. I'm the one who said Richard <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stallman and asked the others if they knew who it was. I have met Richard Stallman. Ah, okay. So it was the other okay, two. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to give him any credit. <laughs> yeah, it kind of started out as a joke. I, I, bet you, I bet you don't even say GNU slash Linux, do you? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't, but I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm friends with him, so I I, I do shorten. Oh, oh we are we are not friends. I just happened to have been at a conference he was also at, and I ran up to him like a giddy little girl. <laughs> <laughs> nice uh yeah no it all came from a reference that russ made and, and i had no idea what war games even was and that was appalling apparently uh and then it became a joke because i said yeah i'll watch it and then next time he referenced it he's like yeah you saw it right and i'm like nope so then eventually we just said okay we gotta <laughs> stop everything everyone's gonna watch it together it's kind of a cool experience so we're gonna do it i think, I think it's one of the better movies about ai it doesn't go crazy overboard with the capabilities yeah. of it it's it's a it's a pretty realistic movie from a hacker perspective and an AI perspective. I mean, given it's a Hollywood movie. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that was now good. Jay, I, we won't go over it all again on the podcast, um, but the, did you know about the event that took place in Russia in the same year the movie released that was basically a real-life war games? I did not, no. It's pretty awesome. There's another it's episode of the podcast that goes through it, but I'll, we'll send you the article. The article's pretty long, right. but it is a worthwhile read. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. a good read. And a reminder for everyone on the podcast, if you haven't read it, go check it out. Russ, well, then Russ, I stand by my probably, assessment. It's pretty realistic. I'm, I'm going to go and say this is Russ's favorite article from the show. He has talked about oh, this yeah. article more than any other article in the history of Tech Breakfast podcast. So I, that alone, just go get it. Go get All it. Right. Okay, All cool. Right, what do we got here? Uh, today in tech history, did y'all look anything up? No, everyone's lazy on Mondays. <laughs> I mean, Pretty the Monday. one you have on the screen here is interesting from, from yesterday that I, I, I do think we could get to at some point. But the, uh, yeah, there's nothing from today. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, do you want to talk about that one real quick? It, well, it's kind of cool for right now. So this is what, it's, uh, it's yesterday, right? January 10th, yeah, so... Mm-hmm. To write Apple ships Intel inside, which ironically they're stopping doing. But it was a big deal at the time, especially ironically for Richard Stallman and the Linux community, so that we could then (laughs) install install GNU slash Linux onto Apple hardware, which actually is still incredibly difficult because of some of the voodoo magic that they do. However, it was something that allowed for it to happen, or or at least allowed for virtualization to happen a lot lot more easily. So that was a pretty big deal. I remember that back in the day, because I remember my friends kind of coming to me like, hey, now that Apple has Intel in there, are you going to buy one of their computers? And I was like, oh, man, no. So, <laughs> oh man no so we didn't say the year yet this was 15 years ago yesterday 
uh, they announced uh, they were shipping with Intel processors. And, so uh, good run, not. 15 years with them. Yeah. You know, it's not bad. All right, cool. Um, Jay, let's, uh, let's shift to uh, topics of news-worthy content. What are you thinking, man? What are you seeing? Well, I, th- I think the big news that I've seen on everything from Wired to Engadget to you know the news sites, you name it, is all this about social media and its role in the insurrection or whatever you want to call the event last week. Um, and so I'm not a social media expert. I'm, I really focus on AI and HPC, but one of my other roles is running the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. And we're about to do a podcast with an a professor from the UT LBJ School of Public Affairs, one from the Moody College of Communications and some others about the role of social media in society. And it's it's just been fascinating to see how this has really been, the, these, these social media platforms have been the communications platforms at scale for some folks that really are unhappy and have uh, bones to pick, legit or not. And these things can be used for bad as, you know, as well as good. And I'd never really thought about it because I tend to post pictures of my daughter, pictures of whiskey, and maybe a few announcements here and there. And that's pretty much it. But the way these platforms have been used for the last several years, is, it's been amazing. It's forced me to like go back and read the First Amendment and the Communications Decency Act and realize that all the calls about how these are being used are kind of crap, actually. Um, you know, there's been no First Amendment violations. And there's, there's you know, Communications Decency Act is important in the scale of these platforms, et cetera. So... I'm just, I'm curious to see where it's going to go next because anything that gets this powerful and influential, um, what's the right role of regulation in it? And I'd be curious as to what you guys think about that. I mean, I think we all know the Communications Decency Act was incredibly important in enabling these platforms to scale, but should there be limits and what should the role of government be in them? And it clearly can't be partisan. It should be consistent with probably the Constitution and Bill of Rights and, and such, but uh, it's just caused me to think a lot lately on this topic. I think government getting involved is is where you start to run the risk of falling afoul of First Amendment rights, right? Mm-hmm. Because the First Amendment doesn't restrict you or I so much as it restricts Congress's ability to restrict you or I, right? Right. Um, so I, I think it's important for platforms to make I won't even say consistent, consistent in, in, in and of themselves rules for discourse and how they want it to happen. And I, and I do think that there's a, a decent, there has to be a way to test whether or not the group or the sentiment that is being shared broadly or what the platform is being used for is, as an example, explicitly inciting hate or violence because I think we can broadly agree that we don't want that, even if it is someone sharing their opinion. There is a line where where that becomes not good for society as a whole. But I think the terms of service of those platforms need to be that first line of defense, and they need to be consistent in how they execute against the terms of service that is being broken. So if if you have statements that say you can't have hate speech, and you have maybe examples of what that looks like, or you have new examples of hate speech, then you need to be swift in your execution of that. Because at scale, I don't think moderation can keep up with terms of service guidelines that are fungible, right? So it either results in a ban or a temporary disclosure or or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, 
you need to make adjustments to those terms of service to basically say, yeah, we're okay with it. But this this whole sort of back and forth has been very strange because I think there's been a lot of touch and go on what constitutes breach of, of the terms of service, as an example, and whether or not it's in everyone's best interest to execute against that for certain individuals. And yeah. now I, I think everyone got more comfortable all of a sudden, but I, I don't want to see it go too far the other direction. I don't, I don't need Twitter actually going out of their way to silence any group of voices. I, d- I don't think that's good. Now, is it their right? Arguably, yes, I would say. My opinion. But, yeah. but I because do think... Well, that's why it's yeah, your well, opinion. <laughs> well, sure. That, and, it's their that's platform. Fine. But, but I'm, right? I'm talking can, about how I feel about it, whether yeah, yeah. or not I'm going to go argue. Or we're talking feelings not, on this show. Sorry. <laughs> they were talking like facts and intellectual consistency. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> Tyler's brought the difference between law and what we should allow to be law yeah. and not versus how we individually or collectively feel about something. And I think that's really important. I think people are invoking uh, – when they're not happy about something that it violates this law or that act or something. And they don't necessarily <laughs> haven't necessarily read that amendment yeah. or that act or something. I, so I think people like to try to give more legitimacy to the way that they are interpreting a problem or the way they feel about it, which is why, why I said it that way. It's people are going to be desperate to find something more legitimate or powerful to back up their position. Right. And I think a lot of people go to the First Amendment because they think it says something that it doesn't in some cases. And they, it, they think, it's not long. Yeah. Everyone should just read it. And the first test should be, are you talking about something Congress did or not? Because if you're not talking about Congress, it probably doesn't apply. And if you are talking about Congress, then we have a really interesting conversation on our hands, right? Exactly. But when people say Google can't do this or Twitter can't do this or Facebook can't do this because of the First Amendment, they are woefully mistaken because their only perspective there would be to say, regulate so Twitter can't do this. And then you're talking about the First Amendment. Exactly. And you're running afoul of it. <laughs> Nobody's required to give you a platform, right? No. That's that's nope. the issue there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, maybe so, maybe it's know, worth we, reading this, right? Because not everyone's going to go out and look. It, it is incredibly short. Like the First Amendment is is so succinct. But just just listen to it. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a red redress of grievances. Hard stop. That's so like the said, whole amendment. Does it involve Congress, right? Because you said at the beginning, Congress shall make no law, right? Right. Yeah, period. But we see people, of course, as, as Tyler said, claiming First Amendment. We saw, you know, Donald Trump claiming First Amendment when Twitter banned him. We saw Hawley. Did he really? Um, yes, he did. We saw John Hawley saying, oh, Simon & Schuster doesn't care about First Amendment when they declined to publish his book after all. Neither one of those are government actions, as Tyler said. They are right. absolutely within the right of those two private sector companies to do this. Now, there's a different question about should they have done those things? And you know, sure. we, we all may have different feelings about that, but absolutely not illegal in either case. And so I thought it was ironic that uh, Holly said, see you in court. And I'm thinking this man got a Yale law degree and yeah. calling it first amendment <laughs> and apparently has forgotten much of that. So, so let me- or, or he's being intentional, which I think is actually the broader issue that we're running into. Again, we could go down quite the rabbit hole here and, and it obviously takes us off on tangents, but 
um, I, I think that the availability of information, whether it is fact-based or misinformation, intentional or otherwise, the speed at which it can be distributed broadly is really at the heart of what we're talking about. And when you, when you have platforms that are a million times more accessible than like newspapers of old, tabloids right. come to mind, right? You want to talk about <laughs> drivel, like tabloids are the example, but tabloids didn't have instantaneous access to hundreds of millions, if not billions of people. They had limited access and you had to spend your hard-earned quarters for entertainment purposes effectively. People are confusing what they see on social media platforms as being facts just because they show up there and that's also where they go in Google to get their information, I think. And I think the point you just brought up about Holly and his background and forgetting the first minute, I don't know that he forgot. I think he just understands that the people he's talking to can be you manipulated can by using yeah. the right language. Sure, with yeah. No, no opportunity or, or no threat of them actually going and trying to understand what he's saying and whether or not it's real or it's just incendiary. Yeah. And that's the problem that we've got. So you're arguing for sort of the Roy Cohn school of thought here, right? T t tell them what you want them to believe and tell them enough. And then they'll, some of them will believe it. I, hard to argue against that happening right now. Yeah. Now that, I think that one's pretty clear. It's, I think the interesting question is, what do we do going forward? And can technology help us with this? For example, now I'll, I'll switch to AI gear. Um, <laughs> We don't have the, the ability to do peer review of all of these uh, tweets and posts and such. And, um, you know, Tyler read the First Amendment. The key part of the Communications Decency Act is even shorter than that. It's 26 words, I think, uh, that enabled these platforms to, to scale and basically saying they're not responsible for what is published on the platform. Um, and there's exceptions to that, copyright infringement, criminal activity, things like that. But um, are, are there ways that these programs can still scale and we can use for some technology, maybe AI, for automation of checking whether something is incendiary, whether ch checking whether something is trying to foment or incite insurrection? And, you know, I, I think AI may have a really interesting place here, not as the definitive word, but at least as the first pass filter except for the fact that I was reading social media all weekend about this and so many things were sarcastic and yeah. kind of meant the opposite of yeah. what they really intended. And yeah. AIs can paint good pictures and make good music, but they're terrible <laughs> at jokes. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. Still bad at it brings a really good question that you probably have some insight into as well, which is um, I have read, and I'm sorry, I don't have the articles at my fingertips because I wasn't prepared to talk about this. They're a little bit older, but it talks about bias that has been coded into AI, right? And, mm -hmm. and I think those were specific biases uh, related to oftentimes gender or expectations. Facial recognition, I think, came up a lot in this space too. Um, but I think the problem with AI as a first-pass filter for something like this, sarcasm aside, because that would be a hot mess for me mm -hmm. um, as a very sarcastic person, would be very how do you make sure <laughs> how do you make sure that that the bias isn't inherent in the the GAN as an example that is going through here and trying to help you filter garbage from not garbage. Well, I, th I think you still have to have a role, even if you use AI as a tool. I think it can be a tool that helps, but it can't replace final decision authority for the questionable ones. And, you know, AI doesn't say something is or isn't. It really assigns a probability, and then you assign some thresholds to that. So 
um, in terms of its classification algorithms and such. And so it'd be interesting to see if these companies that are leaders in AI, and, and they're certainly working on this now to try to identify these suites. That's how they, um, it's how they work now. But will the AIs get sophisticated enough up to even in, in including humor and sarcasm and things like that to be effective at helping them see, oops, this looks like it's going to incite an insurrection. And of course, if you haven't had one before on your platform, it's hard to predict the next one because the algorithms don't have any data and, and, and to uh, train it. But I guarantee you all those platforms are hard at work looking at their data and thinking, could we have predicted this? And of course, a lot of people would say, well, yeah, just read the tweets. Could, can't you see it? But uh, it's, it's yeah. tough. It's really tough. so easy in arrears. Yeah, exactly. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Actually, not for everybody, but <laughs> usually it's twenty twenty. <laughs> This to me is the most interesting thing. And I'm just, I'm just curious if AI will over the next few years, you know, these social media platforms haven't even been around for very long. Um, and yet yeah, they've been really. crucial. Uh, Donald Trump said he would not have won the presidential election without Twitter. He said that in, I think, March 2016. So even he credited it with that huge role. And of course, is, you know, then there's incentives for these companies to not want to uh, uh police themselves too much. They can argue all they want about freedom of expression and that's why we don't police it too much, but they also don't want to come, you know, go against the predominant feelings of a, of a legislature or a president. And, and the monetary incentives are there. You, yeah, you, don't, sure. you don't want to rule, you don't want to have people that are among the most uh, talked about people on Twitter not be on Twitter for advertising revenue reasons and such. And so it's just, I'd never really thought about these platforms that much. And, uh, I just use them for what I want to use them for and don't buy anything off of them. Don't give too much personal information except for my choices in whiskey. But um, They know more about me than I know about me. They, they, yeah. they, I don't they try to give it too us. much. No, they have it. <laughs> that, that to me is probably one of the most interesting things in tech right now. And of course, the other one that really struck me over the last few days is Elon Musk and the testing of Starship and uh, I'm reading his. I'm reading the book by Ashley Vance on Elon Musk now, and the book is a few years old. Um, is it good? But it is good. I, I really enjoy the writing in particular. Um, I'm not finished with it yet, uh, um, but it's 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 good. It if you, uh, Elon Musk. It's just called Elon Musk. Yeah. By Ashley, Ashley Vance. Vance. Yeah. Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, and the quest for a fantastic future. Is that what I said? Yeah. Ellipsis yeah. towards Amazon. It's, oh, cool. I, wasn't it? to be honest, I, you know, I really found the interesting parts early on about his upbringing and the perspectives he developed and the fact that he, you know, played with rockets at an early age and talked about grand things like going to Mars at an early age. And, um, it's, it's been watching a couple of success, half success, half fail, success financially fail in terms of staying the CEO and how that has shaped how he has created Tesla and SpaceX and SolarCity. It's, it's, it's a good read and it's an, it's an interesting personality, but you know, Elon carries his social media baggage as well. Right. I mean, I think we all remember back in April, he was uh, saying COVID panic is dumb and, uh, you know, I, I never really did see a retraction about that, but nearly 400,000 U.S. deaths later, I'd, I'd like to. Yeah, no, he, um, that's one of the several reasons he left California because uh, California wasn't allowing him to open back up. There was a lot of COVID-related things um, as part of what he was doing there. Said, yeah, okay, I mean, fine. tremendous respect I for that intellect. Us. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Sorry, I, I was just going to make a comment there. It's as uh, much as I and I do like Elon Musk. I think he is a super interesting guy. Obviously, his companies are pretty incredible and top of mind because of the technological advancement, some of the very cool things that he's into. But that you look at stuff like that and the specific really is irrelevant, but I always come back to be very, very careful with hero worship because you can, you can think the world of someone and they can do something like that. It, it should never be in a position where that one tweet, you know, is devastating to you from an Elon Musk perspective. And I'm not accusing you of that, Jay. It just in general that they're, they're not, people aren't, people don't make very good heroes as, as funny as that sounds. I struggle. I struggle with the, this notion of like having one bad opinion, but then it's made public changes the face of you. And, and that's an issue I have with the platforms when you get big. In fact, I, I was really, I mean, look, and I can, I'll tell you, know, I can tell you guys that I can, I can piss off both sides of the fence. Cause I struggle with partisanship half the time in general. I know, I know mm. y'all have heard that before. But like that kid that played for Washington this past weekend, Heineke, he had an incredible game, like maybe a life-changing game for him. And he was getting this outpouring of support over his performance. And then what did people do? They wanted to go find out what he was all about. And he has some pro-Trump tweets. And now, they, now they're trashing this kid. <laughs> and I yeah, felt so bad for him because yeah. Yeah. of his shared political views, right or wrong, whatever, every single person that I know, every person on this call, and I don't know Jay very well, but I guarantee we've all had a bad opinion in our life. I just, I just know what's happened. I, I think you know, I'm having one right now. Yeah, yeah I think so <laughs> it, it's yeah. just the, the idea that there's only one right at any point in time, in, on social media anyways, in, in how you will just be the whole cancel culture thing and all that stuff. I just, I really struggle with that because it proves that you don't even have to be that big of an icon. I mean, no one knew this Heineke person until yeah. he went out and pulled off some Mike Vick type plays, you know, like it just, none of it made any sense. And I just, I felt so bad for him. And so I struggle with this idea that you tweet out one bad opinion, you like the wrong tweet. And then it's just like, you're done. And it that type you. of reaction. Oh, I know it drives yeah. me nuts. Like the idea that that tweet would define Elon Musk. Give me. a Oh point. no, that's for so many people. Can't. It would, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's so, crazy. So yeah. it, it does change my opinion of whether he's evidence driven or data driven versus capitalism driven. Right. I mean, yeah, he's a absolutely point. a genius and an innovator. There's no questioning his success in multiple companies. Um, and I think the net effect of Elon Musk is great for the world, but it was disappointing that and the, it wasn't just that it was the arguments with the state of California about reopening his plant in a time of shutdown and things like that, that it just seemed that, his schedule and timetable was 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 more important than uh, sure. uh, that his. But I mean, there's a passion for innovation there that can't be denied. Look how he's revolutionized the electric, well, the automotive industry. Yeah, um, you can argue the valuation of Tesla is a little bit crazy right now, more than the rest of a all automakers combined. Uh, a lot of it, <laughs> but <laughs> but there's no doubt that he shook up Detroit and uh, and 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 NASA now as well. And I'm super. Yeah. I'm, I used to be pessimistic about, you know, seeing humans on Mars in my lifetime. Thanks to Elon Musk, I'm optimistic about it. And that, that's one of the exciting things in tech right now is that somebody is just taking a brand new, fresh approach to space travel. And it's no longer big, expensive, single-use things with missions every few years, but it's efficiently produced, uh, reusable technologies. Um, you know, I think his goal is to be able to turn around the Falcon boosters in one hour. 
What? That, that wow. is a yeah. That's incredible. You so, launch the Starship, the booster comes back to Earth. Now they're talking about having the arms on the launch pad catch it so you can save weight yes. on the booster instead of having the heavy That's legs incredible. on it and turn it around. And if, if anyone can do it, it's it, it appears to be SpaceX. They just seem that to was be wild to read about. Yeah. yeah. The the launch pad actually catching the booster coming back down and it not even needing legs to land. That was crazy. That and so cool. Jay, you brought up the pace of innovation. I wanted to call this out. Yesterday I saw um, this would be a you know today in tech history from yesterday. Just six years ago, SpaceX made its first, quote, rapid unscheduled disassembly, which is kind of a, a rocket landing and crashing joke, right, of an orbit, orbital class booster during a landing attempt. Just six years ago, they were trying to figure out how to land these orbital class boosters. And since then, we've sent, we, I'm taking credit for it, I'm not, I, you know, humans, right, in the pace of innovation. I've sent, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of, uh, of, of um, uh, orbital satellites up. And now, you know, like you're talking about moving out to Starship and all this kind of stuff. It's incredible. Yeah, I read this, his dreams about going to Mars and realizing that, you know, it is an engineering problem. It's not a physics problem anymore. The physics is solved. It's now an engineering problem. And a lot of that's going to be material science and cleverness, right? Figuring out how to make something durable enough, resilient enough, and safe enough to do that. But, uh, and cost effective, of course. But I, 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 I now am totally in the camp that he's going to do it. He's going to pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun place to be. It really is. We're all going to get to see this. At some point in our lifetime, we will probably see 100 people on a starship land on Mars. That's wild. That's, that, that's, that's, that is absolutely wild to say. That is pretty cool. And he'll tweet from yeah. there too. We know that. He will tweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But we got to solve the time zone challenge. What is, what is the Mars time zone? And how does it relate to us? Mars standard time, obviously. Well, I mean, Mars he, MST. He's basing the, some operations in Texas. So I think we have to use central time for it. Central. Right? There it is. Yeah. Base I mean, it, it makes Houston. the most sense. It's yep. central. I mean, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's awesome. Everywhere. So, Forget GMT. Forget GMT. Let's go CST. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's a joke. That's a joke. GMT we love all y'all on the other side of the pond over there. Um, all right. What else? What other news we got this morning that we want to make sure we pull out here? Hackers, tiny device unlocks cars, oh, open garage. What so, is this? I, I ran into this article. I don't even remember how I stumbled on it, but it's, uh, it's a Wired article that's talking about um, basically collecting and spoofing the technology used to rotate codes in basically every car um, key fob remote entry fob and in all of your garage door openers, right? Older technology, if you, if you ever as a child took apart a garage door opener, as an example, you'd find, you know, I think it was eight uh, little pins basically yeah. and you could set the code and that was enough random numbers right but your code was always the same code so if someone could record that radio signal then they had access they obviously made a, a, a an adjustment to that and um, I don't know all of the details about it but the effectively the way that it works now is that you've got a, a rolling list of codes it's far more secure it's a much much more difficult to crack and they're they're effectively one-time use so your garage door opener sends a signal your garage door uh you know the the actual mechanism that's going to open it receives that signal recognizes oh. it's a good signal and opens up the garage but that code will never be useful again so when i was in italy when i lived in italy we, this is something I just did not run into growing up in North Texas sub, suburbia, but um, we were told 
if we stopped at the highway stops to be extremely careful of using any remote entry devices. And the threat was that those were being recorded in the parking lot. And while you were inside getting your, you know, well, mozzarella, obviously, uh, the, <laughs> they would, they would open your car and take your stuff. And, and it sounds, sounds like one of those just like fear mongering sort of things. Two of my colleagues while I was overseas had this happen to them. Uh, one, why don't they just do it went, like Houston and just smash the window? Exactly, because they don't have to. They're all walking around with these devices recording people's things. Anyways, the the article is about uh, a guy, and I think this he's going to actually um, open the source code up at the Black Hat conference this year. Um, but it is a tiny device, smaller than the size of your hand. Um, and it has three radios in it with one reasonably powerful antenna for how small it is. The device can be left near a garage, near your car, and then when you come back, what's happening is your garage door opener sends the signal. Two of the radios are designed to just create yeah. garbage that Read blocks this. that signal. Read those three sentences then, I've highlighted. That, that yeah, so yeah this is what I was getting at. And then the last one basically records it so it can be used later, which means it can be used whenever they want at their convenience. And, and the criticism here, I, I'll read it like Aaron said. Yeah, I'm when sorry. the first signal is jammed and fails to unlock the door, the user naturally tries pressing the button again. On the second press, the roll jam is programmed to again jam the signal and record that second code, but also to simultaneously broadcast its first code. That replayed first code unlocks the door and the user immediately forgets about the failed key press. So, it, it basically validates that it got a good signal by sending one. And if it, if it failed the first time, it's blocked it again, right? So it's got a new code to send out. And the, the user will hit the button again until it works. And it'll work because it's intercepting it, using it, and then saving a code for use later. And the thing is, it applies to like all of them. Every That's car crazy. you have up to probably 2019, 2020, because I think Cadillac actually made an adjustment. There is a new standard for these rolling codes, but they're all susceptible to this. And it's like off-the-shelf hardware with a, a Git repo that he's actually going to make available soon. And it one, it reminded me of seeing it happen. And two, it's just like, my goodness, when you think about how security, even physical security, is defined in devices that are 10 years old, mind blown at, at how trivial this is. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's like an Arduino board with two sister cards, one of them dedicated to radio. It looks, like, uh, it looks like what they're putting in the COVID-19 vaccines. <laughs> <laughs> I know y'all saw that. I know y'all saw that. Oh my gosh. Anyways, it was a really cool read. And, and it, I'm always reminded of just uh, be vigilant, I guess. I, I don't know. That to some extent, you can you can't prevent all of this stuff, but it is so interesting and frightening and fascinating yeah. to me. The creepy part is the part where you press it and then it doesn't work, and so you hit it again and then it works, and your brain thinks, "Huh, maybe I didn't hit the button right." But no, in fact, you're handing the code to somebody else who can then use it, and you move yep. on. That's like the wow. How often does that happen in in real life? You know what? I've got a different message than be vigilant. Hit it. You know what, you bad actors out there? Just stop it. This is stupid. Like, why are you spending your time? You're obviously intelligent. 
Like, spend your time <laughs> doing something better than what this is. Like, work with Jay on AI to figure out how to stop social media problems. Like, what in the <laughs> yeah. world is this waste of human energy doing to try and steal other people's stuff? Dude, I had the same thought stop whenever I was, I was reading about the stimulus checks. And, like, 10 or 12% of the funds that have been paid out by the government, uh, it's actually fraudulent claims. Uh, oh, wow. Tens of millions, hundreds of millions. I can't remember what it is. Well, I mean, when you have when you have that much money earmarked for something, it yep. becomes worth bad actors' time to go figure out how to steal it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Of course. I does. can't. I can't remember the details on the article, but basically, if somebody has your name, uh, phone number, and address, they can, I guess, flood the systems with requests and then somehow get them through. It's, it's like what? That is incredible. So, well, that, that's anyway. interesting that you said that because I just had somebody ask me if I sent them an email. And the email only said, hey, person's name, I need a favor. Um, can you give me your cell phone number so I can call you about it? And it didn't, <laughs> it didn't have a link in the form. It didn't, it didn't ask her to click on anything. Ah, it just geez. needed the cell phone. And I thought, well, that's interesting because the cell phone alone won't help you with, you know, good two-factor authentication. You actually have to be in possession of the phone. But yeah. what you're no, saying is getting so much easier to things where just having there. the number and address is sufficient. Yeah. Well, if people know I, I, roughly I where you live, the they can get your address. There's way if they yeah. put in your name oh, wow, in the city easy. you live, they can get your address. Yeah. Easy. No, and no, all they have to it, do is figure it. out your phone number. Man, hmm. and and that's not terribly difficult either because a lot of people still put that into the platform. Still, they'll post it somewhere, and whatever you put online is forever. Which I think we're being reminded of pretty regularly now. But um, yeah, when <laughs> oh man, that. That's a totally, the number of warnings I have given my extended family on just not clicking on, responding to, or even looking at something that doesn't pass the sniff test. If it's important and it's from family, they will find a different way to contact you or they contact you again. Just stop opening up emails that don't make sense. Don't click on the text message. Just what some yeah. random Gmail address to send you a text message. Think about that for a second. Don't right. do it. <laughs> Wait, you're not Assume clicking on it's that? malicious. Well, this is another place where AI embedded in the tools will help again. I mean, we do oh, see, man, I hope you know, so. we use AI to detect spam all the time. Now AI is used to detect phishing attempts when the email says it's a link, That's but great. the link really goes somewhere else. It really should have flagged this one. She was able to see the tone in the writing wasn't the way that I would have asked. Plus she knows I have her cell phone number. But so she, so she looked at the return address and while the name is associated with it was mine, the return address was something different, right? So if she right. got attention, you know, with nothing to click, she might've thought it was, it was okay. Just Safer. to respond with yeah. it. It was really close, but she happened to glance at the return address and see that it was a tampa.rr.com address um, from uh, someone that probably had his account hacked and uh, or her account hacked. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, but the, but the AI should have probably said, you know, you get a lot of messages from Jay Boisseau and never has one come from the domain tampa.rr.com. You may want to look at that before you reply. So, I'm, and that's going to come. Get on that, Jay. Come on. <laughs> Help <laughs> that, my family out. <laughs> this will certainly, right, don't our family, yes, I've already, I've already got the support requests uh, <laughs> coming up for when I go back home next week. They're kind of right. queued up. So, uh yeah, it, it really would help a lot if the AI, because we, we all give in to convenience and laziness. We love it when these tools do more and more for us and make it easier to do stuff. But when they make it easy to do stuff, if someone can spoof that ease, kind of like, 
you know, remote control buttons and whatnot, then, uh, then it's easier to uh, fool somebody with it. And I love that analogy you just said, Aaron, that, uh, you know, you fool the person because you just say, ah, oh, I must not have clicked it right the first time. But in fact, yeah. something got in between there. And this, the, inter- the internet of things is really going to be a trim, um, yeah. A huge risk here, right? There's tens of billions of connected devices in the world right now. They're not all connected to each other, but tens of billions of devices that are connected to at least one other thing, far more than the number of people on the planet. And that yeah. number is exponentially yeah. growing. And so, they're all totally secure. <laughs> well, and there was something we were talking about last week too, um, <laughs> the development and future. We were talking about this with Curtis, the personal digital assistant, Right. And so that becomes as if you can imagine a real life person that would be an assistant, you know, an executive assistant or something like that. But now that all of that knowledge and and intelligence is in a digital version, somebody getting access to that. My goodness. Right. Um, So you just have to 3D print a face mask of of somebody and steal their phone. Right. Uh, they're doing that in Japan. Yeah, we got. Yep. I don't. We can't even go down that road again. All right, let me <laughs> let me just do a hard left here uh, in the news. Pulled up this article. This is wild. Earth's rotation sped up in 2020. We may need a quote negative leap second. That's awesome. Yeah. And and I was just reading through this because you got it up on the screen and it doesn't say why, which is disappointing because we have we have actually had events that are categorized as having slowed down Earth's rotation. Uh, one of the most recent ones was, and I'm going to forget the name of the dam, but China damned, damned the, uh, this is a PG show, the Yangtze Tyler. River. Yes. Tyler, watch the, your language. Right kind of dam. Um, <laughs> it, they, they damned, I think it was the Yangtze River and the amount, the trillions of gallons of water that piled up behind the dam is actually enough to perceptibly... It, this is, we're talking tiny, tiny sort of atomic clock levels things here, but change the rotation, uh, rotational speed of the earth because it puts so much more weight out. Uh, it's so cool. Such a, such a neat thing. This doesn't actually talk about why we were faster this year. Wait though. a minute. Yeah. So did, well, we, maybe they did we course correct here? I mean, if you're saying that we slowed it down apparently. and now we're going a little faster, maybe we're right on course. <laughs> maybe <laughs> that's, right, maybe right they released we the damn. This is, this is the old, phys- my, my PhD was actually in astronomy and this is the old, you know, Ew. physics problem of, uh, Physicists always want to treat a cow as a as a sphere, right? And, and yeah. it's perfectly uniform density, <laughs> right. perfectly straight, right. but with no no friction, with no friction or anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, Earth, the Earth system, as you just mentioned, with that example so is, is just not that. And I, I I had not actually read the article; I'd seen the headline, and I, I read it here while y'all have it up. Um, well, so there's pretty, a joke here too. It may not have felt like it, but we had 28 of the fastest days on record in 2020 since 1960. <laughs> It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, no it's uh, yeah. gravitational forces are, are interesting, and you know we see some things that we expect to continue, like the moon is gradually drifting just a little bit farther from the Earth. Not ever; it's expected to eventually hit a stable point, but it's uh, it's gradually drifting a little farther. But it's consistent. This was a surprise because yeah, this and I noticed the do, article. Do you know, do, are you familiar enough? Do you know, do you know what uh, caused some of those speed ups or, or why in this case it was, you know, one year had 28 of the fastest days. I, I, I find that very interesting. I wish there was more detail. Yeah. This, this article doesn't give the reason. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm sure there's lots of people running simulations right now trying to, to explain this. And I, I don't know the answer to this. I'd love oh, to. Here it is. Here's a more in-depth article on it. I'm, I'm reading that later. No, it's not that okay. long. I'll, I'll drop it on the uh, I'll drop it on the tweeters. It's and, probably because uh, all that social media traffic is. Uh, <laughs> 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 all 
That's it. That's it. Oh man. Okay. Ooh, that's a good got? looking logo. What else we got? Oh yeah, you like it? You like that? I do. I do. I do. It's gonna be so nice when we print off some mugs and stuff. It's gonna be great. That is a good logo. I like the fact that it looks like a cup of coffee and a power button. And the nice. skillet. <laughs> it looks like and everything. Skillet. And Hell Nine Thousand. I like that. Okay. <laughs> Which is a movie I did see. Two thousand one in Space Odyssey. So good for you. you can't go. get any crap for that one. <laughs> All right, what else? Are we out of, are we out of topics here? Anything else we want to talk about? Not really. No, I haven't good. seen enough at a CES yet. I know it's what's all virtual it's, this year, it's right? It's starting this week. Never, starting I, this well, week, I, so yeah, I, I've only seen a couple of little snippets here and there, uh, with, but nothing. nothing what are you expecting the big trends to be before CES? What are your project, projections for big trends besides 8K TVs? Since everybody knows that's coming. Well, Tyler loves 8K TVs, so we'll go ahead and... We'll go ahead and leave that one be. Uh, from my end, my end of the spectrum, I think we're going to see a lot of some trend. The last few years has been each year, like gaming laptops have been really, really ratcheting it up quite a bit. Like most of the people in the PC gaming space are are largely desktop users, especially high end space. We're seeing a lot of things change on the laptop front, in particular, like the the quality and refresh rate of screens. Those keep going up and up every year. Last year, we introduced higher refresh rate 14 inch screens, but they're crap. Like they all had like 40 millisecond response time. So it made no difference to have a high refresh rate. I expect this year we will see uh, much, much lower response times on those screens. We're going to see 3000 series NVIDIA GPUs going into it, 11,000 or 11, 11th gen Intel going in. So I think the, the gaming notebook space is going to be really good this year. Or at least I'm hoping it is because it's time for a new one. <laughs> so uh, that, that's something I'm looking it's forward to. <laughs> I just treated myself to my first gaming PC. I've not been a gamer. I know you guys are listening to your podcast, but uh, just treated myself to my first one. And it was my... I, I wanted to get one of the uh, RTX 3000 series GPUs to see the ray tracing effects. That's work out for you. Did uh, you get one? I, I just got it. I haven't even played hey. the ray tracing. <laughs> you in boxes you in go. your house? No, no, it, it, it is set up. My oh, the there you go. hasn't That's gotten here yet, so I'm using a, a previous monitor. But uh, what should I? What game should I play first in order to see the beauty of the RTX 3080? Oh, I don't know. I it Civilization. Uh, Tyler's fired. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Destiny 2 is the game you should play, but then uh, yeah, you got real specific there, and I don't know the answer to that. The the RTX side of it's a little bit tougher. Uh, it, you have if depending on the type of games you like to play, uh, Call of Duty did a decent job with it. I would say Battlefield 5, if you like shooters, actually did a pretty good job with ray tracing. Um, although it it really stresses Sorry, can the you PC quite a ray bit. Tracing? Ray tracing is just, at the end of the day, it's a different way of doing volumetric lighting. Like, that's basically what it comes down Can to doing. Can you volumetric it makes lighting? I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole at the <laughs> end of the podcast. You can answer a nerd question with another nerd statement. <laughs> basically, when you, look at, when you look at reflections on water, they look super realistic. That's what ray tracing does. In, right. in, in that's why thing, I upgrade my PC. It. 100%. That's why you do it. Uh, five, six times a year, actually. So I, I don't know. I mean, Battlefield had some good <laughs> ones. I think some multiple racing games, which usually go for high photorealism. Yeah, that makes sense. You're looking for is photorealistic games that want to try and enhance that uh, anything that light bounces off of. And so, uh, does it actually trace the rays? I mean, is that the point? You'll see it's doing all the math. It's all real time. Yeah, real real time ray tracing. That's the idea. That's pretty cool. I mean, I get it. That's I, why it's so taxing. Imagine. 
It's it's basically actually treating photons like photons instead of faking it. Yeah, I was I talking about this with you, idea. Jay, about the difference between like the movie magic of being able to create all these things? I think it was you telling me this, right? And how you can get such better picture in a movie because you have the time to compute it all. Right. The real time Pre- online. Yeah, yeah pre-rendered. Yeah, whatever. you know, trying to do it in real time, and that's the difference between gaming and other visualization. Other visualization, you have time to get all the physics just right and produce your images. Yep. In gaming, you generally had to take lots of shortcuts and how you color the pixels and use lots of little tricks and things, which is why you could almost always look at a gaming screen, even of a an environment they were trying to make look real. Um, you could see that the shadows, the fire, the things like that weren't quite right. But with ray tracing, they get much, much closer to that. So translucencies and reflections and things like that, since you're tracing photons to the point of view of the eye for every part of the scene in real time, you get much closer to photorealistic. So does that mean that all of the surfaces and stuff like that, are there properties, I assume, sort of input? Uh, so, you know, you've got glass that has a certain amount of reflectivity, a certain amount of transparency, a certain refractive index, stuff like that. It, it, they, they just input material properties on one end and then they have a source and a destination and boom, you got light bouncing everywhere and it, it's closer and closer to reality based on how many little light balls you can track. Yeah. You, roughly you, how it works. Yeah. And of course, it's still harder for some surfaces than others. So my understanding is most of these games, when they show it off in a part of the game, they don't, they don't repeat that everywhere throughout the game because it's computationally intensive at all times. I think somebody sure. told me that Cyberpunk 2077, you can design your character to look a whole bunch of different ways, but there are very few actual mirrors and reflective services. So you don't really see yourself very often. And part of but that is- The mirrors the turn on when you engage them. You that's, walk that's, by a mirror and see yourself, uh, which makes sense because the shadow always makes you look like some kind of weird gorilla with flying arms <laughs> or they, they, they clearly did some funny things, you know, rendering the character because it's always first person. <laughs> so that's one of the ones I'm going to probably buy this week and, and see how it looks. I, I hear it has problems on consoles, but apparently it's, it's, fine on PCs. Yeah, I think it's you'll, enjoyable. you'll be fine on PC. Um, the, the best way that I can articulate ray tracing, especially to a non-gamer, and look, people forego any opinions about the films, but the Transformer movies, consider the way that those movies look and the actual Transformers and how real they look. Yeah, that only happens because of ray tracing. And that was all done pre-rendered, so it's why they could right. do it 15 years ago or whatever it is. But right, they can real-time nature of stuff. That. Yeah, absolutely. And then embed it. Sure, that's awesome, and that's a great example too. That that makes a lot of sense because it is impressive how realistic uh, CGI has gotten. Um, you know, whatever environment they want to put characters into, now they can make it look really, really appropriate for that environment. Right. So that's, that's right. Cool. Let's shut it down. It makes sense. I didn't realize it was the same technology. So, yeah. On that note, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Jay, thank you for joining us. This is a great conversation. We touched on a lot of fun stuff, went down a lot of fun rabbit holes, um, definitely got into some some pretty cool tech stuff as well as uh, more broadly how the world works, which is always fun. And I hope our listeners enjoyed it as much as we did. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for uh, tossing us some love at Patreon, if that's your thing. 
Um, we love your support. We're trying to do cool stuff. Maybe we can get some swag out there soon because, uh, you know, logo looking good. Thanks a ton. Have a great week. Peace, everybody. Later. Thanks. <laughs>